Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, December 1st, 2022. Imagine that I wrote a letter to my children, and in that letter, I made it clear how much I loved them and how much I wanted them to have joy in being my children. But also in that letter, I said some pretty clear things about what I expect of my children. What would you make of the letter? Do you think it'd be fair if you looked at the things that I expect of my children and said, wow, what a harsh father, but missed the broader context of, wow, this father loves his children. His father wants the best for his children. This father wants joy for his children. This gives a little bit of a sense of something I'm concerned about with 1 John. As we look at this book, uh, think of it. There's even the language that we'll see today that we are the children of God. And it's clear that the purpose of this book is that uh, these people might have joy. Now, in this book, there are some clear things that are said about what God expects of his children. And my concern is that we would take those things and only focus on those things and think of 1 John as a harsh book instead of a book that is a gift, a book that is wonderful from even having that idea of a father to his children. And I want us to think about that today. And I think the reason why we have to be careful with 1 John is because, well, 1 John is going to be read by a lot of people who aren't God's children. And reading 1 John sometimes should make that clear. This may seem harsh to you because you are not a child of God. And you don't like the clear things that it says about you. And especially in our cultural context where all of us, I've never had an issue uh, as a pastor talking with somebody where we've disagreed that there are a lot of people who claim to be Christians in America that aren't actually saved. Um, I have had a lot of disagreements about many things with people uh, as a pastor, but that is something I've always been able to find agreement on. And that's where I think 1 John can be helpful because we live in a society where there is so much confusion about what it means to be a Christian that sometimes we do point to these passages that make it clear what God expects of his children. Uh, And I'm not going to apologize for pointing to those passages, but what I want to do today is help us to see how even those clear things that are said, uh, look at the broader context. And, and 1 John 3 is a good place for us to do that. Notice how it starts. Verse 1, see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Uh, see how this chapter is starting by pointing to the amazing love that the Father has given us? That even the fact that we can be called children of God is, is proof of an amazing and dramatic love? Uh, what an incredible thing that is. And I want us to, to meditate on that. I want to encourage you to meditate on that truth today uh, of the amazing love of of God. And then it does go on uh, to say some other things that exhort us. Uh, Verse two, beloved, we are God's children now. Uh, 
And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. This is a call to holiness and purification for us, God's children. But even if we think of the context rightly, it's not, hey, Jesus is coming back. You don't want to be in trouble. You better get your act together. It's implying, no, if you are God's children, you are longing for him to appear. You are longing to be like him. And if you're longing for that, you're going to purify yourself. And notice the next section where it says some clear things, I think, that are helpful in clearing up the confusion of our culture. Uh, Things like verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Those are clear statements. Again, I I think all the language there is directional. It's not saying that Christians never sin again ever, but it's saying that there's a change in direction in their lives. Notice even that these are written in a more indicative way, just stating things the way that they are, as opposed to an imperative way. It's not saying, hey, children, you better get your act together. You better make sure you're doing the right things. It's saying, no, if you are God's children, uh, you are are going to obey God. That's what's in your heart. That's what's going to come more naturally for you if you really are a child of God. And so as we consider 1 John 3 today, those are some things that I want you to see. One, yes, observe those clear statements. If the direction of your life is against God and towards unrighteousness, you need to be honest with yourself. You are not a child of God. But I'm confident many of you listening to this, probably most of you listening to this, you are a child of God. And I want to make sure you don't miss the sweetness of 1 John. I want to make sure you don't miss the sweetness of those first three verses, that you are amazed at the love of God that has saved you and given you the right to be called God's child. And because you are God's child, you long to be with God and you know he is going to appear and you will be like him. And that's going to motivate you today to purify yourself. I couldn't help but think of the old hymn, Blessed Assurance, as I read 1 John today. And again, that's what I want you to see is the goal. Uh, The goal of 1 John is not, hey, man, I want to make people doubt their salvation. Uh, There are some things that I think will hopefully clear up people that aren't saved and help them realize that reality. But the goal of this book is to give blessed assurance to God's children who are saved. And I couldn't help but even uh, looking at those first few verses, think of that verse from the song that says, perfect submission, all is at rest. I in my savior am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with his goodness, lost in his love. I I couldn't help but think of those lyrics reading the first three verses, that that should be our idea. We're watching and waiting, looking above, filled with God's goodness and lost in his love. And I hope as God's child, you don't miss that point reading through 1 John. Yes, there are some clear things that are so needed in our culture, but there's also so many amazing things that if you are one of God's children, please don't miss those. That's the bigger picture of 1 John. 
Uh, Now let's go back to Ezekiel uh, chapter 28 through 31 today. And here again, we're in a section that is speaking mostly to foreign kings and kingdoms. Today, we see more about Tyre, who we read about yesterday. And then uh, a lot of it is about Egypt. Uh, And as you read these, again, we remember, we'll see some of that same phrasing that he is the Lord and that he wants people to know that. Um, You'll also see a warning about pride, especially in this uh, section in chapter 28, that's a lament over the king of Tyre. And uh, it's interesting, it talks about him being in Eden. So this is another passage like the one in Isaiah where people say, I think this is actually talking about Satan uh, and him in his pre-fall state uh, versus um, just the pride that caused him to fall. And I think at the very least, if this is not referring to Satan, it is referring to someone very like Satan. And we see these things linked in very bad circumstances that pride is always a bad thing and pride here leads to devastating consequences. So that's another thing we should see just in our own lives. If there's any sense of pride, you see this with Tyre. You also see this with Egypt as they are confident in the Nile River and all the things that they have here. The king of Tyre is confident in his beauty. Um, And it says in verse 17, your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. And so if there's anything in our lives where we we are tempted to start to say, I did that. This is, this is because I'm so good or I'm so smart or I'm so beautiful or I'm so hardworking. We need to stop in our tracks and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm starting to sound like the King of Tyre. I'm starting to sound like Pharaoh. I I am uh, headed in a bad direction. God is opposed to the proud. And so if you catch any of those thoughts, let these passages be a warning, even an extra filter to catch those thoughts. If you start thinking, wow, look at me, I'm doing such a good job in this. Uh, And you may be doing a good job in something, but that's where we need to give glory to God for that, as opposed to just patting ourselves on the back and thinking that we are so wonderful. So a lot of great lessons for us to learn from another day in God's word. And I hope that you uh, can sing with the hymn today. This is my story. This is my song praising my savior all the day long. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.